Hi, and welcome back to the AGD podcast. My name is Dr. Wes Blakesley, and I'll be your host today. Coronavirus, social distancing, self-isolation, personal protective equipment, quarantine, the new normal. These are the buzzwords of the COVID-19 pandemic. Will things ever be the same? Probably not if you trust the pundits. Well, it's been said that opportunity springs from disaster and a new opportunity is available to engage and stay connected with our patients during the shutdown and beyond teledentistry. We're going to discuss this new platform today with expert Brant Herman, CEO of Mouthwatch. Brant, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me. Brant, before we start, tell us a little bit about your company, about Mouthwatch. Mouthwatch started about eight years ago, and our original idea was to connect patients to their doctors through intraoral cameras that patients would purchase and share information, images, uh, questions, concerns directly to their doctor. That was kind of the starting point for us with teledentistry. We evolved and really focused on intraoral cameras for uh, in-office use for dentists, for case presentation and uh, claim support and education, and understood and learned from our customers about what their needs were for teledentistry. So for a long time, teledentistry was more about connecting patients and providers to other providers. So it might be a mobile program, it might be an outreach program, uh, multi-office collaboration, and then there was always a part of communication initiated by patients, but COVID has really brought that to the forefront. Absolutely. Brant, let's start our discussion by defining teledentistry. What exactly is it? So more of the academic definitions are about the exchange of clinical data, um, dental data for the delivery and communication related to dental care. So how are you electronically transmitting all of the information uh, required for a patient to receive clinical advice and determination of treatment needs. Okay, so then how is this platform implemented? And I guess it really begs the question, is it affordable? Yeah, telling industry, it can take a bunch of different ways. Uh, I think the old days might have been telephone teledentistry, where it was traditional triage over a phone where a doctor was trying to gauge how much time a patient might need in a chair based on how they described what they felt in their mouth. Um, how easy is it to implement? Uh, we're one of the teledentistry platforms on the market. We have practices that sign up up and running kind of the same day where they can buy licenses, they register the members of their team, and it's all HIPAA compliant. It's largely cloud-based where they can register their team, they can start inviting patients to communicate with them, and from a browser or smartphone, a patient can send messages, they can attach photos, they can take photos, uh, request a live video consult, and then the doctor can initiate that consult and evaluate the patient, what's being done now, um, and a lot more insurance companies are reimbursing doctors for that consultation. 
and then determine what's next. Is it an office visit for an emergency? Is it a treatment plan? Is it a home care recommendation? So it's really easy to implement. It takes a little bit of a willingness from the practice to operate differently than the model of every appointment requires a chair visit. Um, that some things can be done virtually. And I think we're in a world now where patients are used to that. They're working remotely, their kids are going to school remotely, they know how much can get accomplished virtually, and same holds for some level of care and advice from a dentist. All right, let's get a little more granular here. Let's talk about some examples of uh, the types of services that we can provide to our patients using teledentistry. Maybe you can just go over maybe three or four or more if you have, uh, if you have them, uh, of things that we can actually provide. Yeah, we've got plenty. We've been doing this for a long time, so we've really seen some cool use cases and um, opportunities where teledentistry can change the game. Um, starting with what practices are experiencing now uh, in the COVID era is about really patient communication. So I'd break that into an emergency triage, a patient requests a consult, they start a live video consult with the doctor, and they have an urgent need. They think they're in pain, they might have some inflammation, whatever it might be. The doctor can see them, talk them through it, and visually and through communication triage the need for an emergency visit. And if there is that need for an appointment to come in, they can walk them through some of those new protocols that are gonna be in place right, of wait in the car when the office is empty, no one's in the waiting room, we're gonna have you come in. They can ask them COVID screening questions in real time. They can also message them and get that information from them as well. That's one aspect we're seeing now. We're also seeing doctors check in on patients who have some concern. They know it's not an emergency, but they wanna be communicated with, right? Maybe they had an implant and they're concerned about how long they can go without coming in for the restoration to take place. Um, we're also seeing programs where hygienists are reaching out to patients. And that might not be a billable service, but it's a really good tool to engage with your patients and build rapport with them, um, help answer any questions, walk them through some home care routines that can help keep them from having to come in when it's so challenging to come in. So I think that's kind of how teledentistry is being implemented currently in response to office shutdowns and restrictions. Bigger opportunities for teledentistry to us are, how do you extend the experience of the patient when they do come into the office? If you're presenting a treatment plan, could you share that securely to the patient? Have them review images, clinical notes, everything you're presenting to them, and then do a video consult to follow up about any questions without having them required to take time off work to come into the office take up chair time for you just for that consultation um, follow-up on a treatment plan. We also see a lot in the public health space and opportunities for private practices to learn from some of those opportunities that public health programs have done so well, which is practices reaching out to community settings, going into schools, offering screenings and OHI information, and then through intraoral cameras and photography, taking that information, sharing it with the doctor, doctor recognizes decay or need for treatment, and that can be then securely shared to a parent 
right, who instead of just knowing that their kid should go see the dentist is actually seeing a specific visual impactful reason why they need to come into an office. Um, same thing with nursing homes. We're also seeing a big growth in the area of workplace dentistry, where you're sending a preventive care team out and kind of converting a boardroom into a treatment room for preventive care, whitening, and then any restorative needs are triaged and referred to the brick and mortar location. So that's one other area. We're also seeing a lot more medical dental integration that might look like an ER diversion program where a nurse practitioner or an RN or someone in the emergency room before the patient's admitted with a dental issue is a real-time problem with the emergency admission. There can also be multi-location clinics that some offer dental services, some offer medical and you know both medical and dental. But for locations that don't have access to dental, they can collect the data and have that referral and consult happen with a dentist, which becomes a billable encounter. The data was just started and collected um, by someone who was a medical professional. So really, that's a lot of what we do. There's this whole other world of improving referrals, which is something we're really passionate about. Of If a patient's in the chair and they need two implants and they need to go to the periodontist or the oral surgeon, Right now, we see a lot of, well, not right now, <laughs> prior to March, we saw a lot of, you know, here's a business card, go talk to this doctor, I trust them, and then start treatment with them. And then when you're done, come back to me. And it put a lot of burden on the patient. And we like seeing a world where that handoff is more about care coordination. It's about connecting that patient to the referring specialist with a live video consult, digitally sharing all of the clinical information and imaging and health history that's needed. And the patient really feels more escorted to the specialist as opposed to just kind of sent over to them and then bounce back to me. So it really allows for better treatment planning, better communication and collaboration between all of the providers and the patient. Yeah, much better experience for the patient, I agree. Uh, let's circle back to billing because Everyone's interested in being compensated for time and also the uh, investment in technology. How can we bill for this? Are these uh, billed under dentistry codes, under medical codes? What's your experience with this? Yes, so right now, during the response to COVID, more insurance companies have opened up uh, claim submission and reimbursement for a doctor to bill for a limited oral evaluation, a D0140. That paired up with a teledentistry code. There's two teledentistry codes everyone should know about. One is a D9995, which is for a live video or live data consultation, and D9996, which is asynchronous. That's more store and forward, where a patient takes pictures or a hygienist with a patient take pictures. They're sent to the doctor, and then an hour or five hours later, the doctor reviews it, treatment plans it, and communicates back. So we're seeing practices bill for the limited evaluation and a teledentistry code. A lot of insurance companies are paying for the evaluation. More and more of them are paying something for the teledentistry code itself. Um, there's also a D0170 and a 171 
which is kind of a reevaluation code. And there is a, co a care coordination code if it's a communication between the physician and a dentist. I think that's a D9992. Um, I'll have to look that up. But that's something that's also being um, covered less frequently, but has been recognized. Um, on the medical side of things, there are cases, and we've seen some programs really understand it and run with it, where if a doctor refers to a dentist, right, out of a medical necessity for a patient, there's opportunity for the dentist to start billing medical insurance because it was initiated by a physician as due to medical necessity. Um, that allows it to be billed more as a traditional medical consultation uh, done by a doctor. And there's a lot of, I think, learning that needs to happen in that space and collaboration and communication um, in order for that to happen. But typically it's billed under dental and hopefully what the lessons that have been learned during this time um, will help stick and insurance companies will recognize the value of it, the cost savings that they can you know, embrace by not having someone always come into an office if it's not needed. And sometimes the revenue just comes from efficiency, right? It comes from having the chair open for a patient who needs the restorative procedure as opposed to a consultation uh, that could have been done remotely. Just a question about the uh, technical requirements and so on. I'm not a real techie, uh, but I understand probably about uh, what the average person does so this platform is basically used on a PC incorrect yeah all of the above so okay we work on it's mainly browser based we do have a, a local program that runs when programs were let's say going into a nursing home and they couldn't get connected to internet they could still collect all of the data but 95% of what we're doing is online it's browser based so you just need a really basic computer and with that internet access and whether it's on your smartphone your tablet or your laptop or desktop you can communicate with your doctor doctors can communicate with patients they can collaborate with other specialists they could video conference they could screen share there's a lot more to teledentistry than just video conferencing and that's something that we're really proud of what we understand about it and what we've implemented in our platform, Teledent, is for dentists, it's not always setting up a live video meeting like in a virtual conference call in work. Um, it could start with a message from a patient that says, look, I think I'm getting, you know, I'm bleeding a little bit or I have some sensitivity and they ask a question. And then the doctor at their convenience responds. And then maybe they see there's a need for a photo. The photo is sent. Um, the doctor sees something concerning that could lead to a video consult, or it could just be resolved. It's you know nothing to worry about. It's not an emergency. And let's see you when the time comes. So it is this combination. It's more of a dance than uh, always rushing right into a video conference. Because especially when dentists get back to work, they're not gonna be waiting for a video consult to come in, right? They're going to be seeing patients, they're gonna be in an operatory, and then when they go back to their private office and have a cup of coffee, they could answer a couple of questions from patients, um, engage them, potentially bill for a virtual consult if it 
even if it's done asynchronously, the D9996 code. So it's pretty exciting in the ways that it opens up uh, communication with patients, collaboration. You know, I used to work in a dental office and see that delay between when a patient would get uh, treatment by a specialist and you'd wait for the letter to come in the mail saying what was done. Like all that happens in real time now. The treatment was done, an hour later, the GP could be updated. Uh, they could video conference to talk about a case. They could consult with the patient directly, stuff like that. That's a great benefit. I like that a lot. Uh, let's circle back to HIPAA, something we're all kind of uh, very concerned with today. Uh, how do we, uh, I'm trying to get the right words here. How can we be assured that this platform is totally HIPAA compliant and keeps us out of harm's way? So you're going to want to look for something that is, well, one self-certifies HIPAA. I think that's something you have to work with best practices. There's not too many uh, kind of recognized standards. They want you to build a platform that can, you know, works within the recommendations. So we do that through encryption, uh, through secure communication between the browser and the server encryption of the data on the local computer in the cloud, um, logging of users tracking access. If there are modifications, we can have an audit log of that. Um, there are things now people hear, oh, HIPAA has been waived, right? We don't have to worry about that during COVID. So what was waived was the federal penalty. So if there was, a, there would have been a fine from Health and Human Services if you used a non-HIPAA compliant solution to communicate with your patient. Now that's been waived, but I do want providers to know what wasn't waived were state requirements. So you'll want to check with your state on their HIPAA policies and if they have been lifted temporarily. And also you're still open to uh, liability. So if there's ever a loss of PHI or a misuse of PHI, patients can still sue your practice for the misuse of that. So we still recommend, even in these times where suddenly there's a, a lift, and if you need to do a FaceTime with a patient because that's the only way to do it, sure, do that now. But look for a solution that's going to be HIPAA compliant, that's going to protect you and your practice and your patients. Um, so, yeah, it's worth people asking the security questions. Those are tough questions. Um, it's not as easy to build a platform that is HIPAA compliant. So you're going to want to... Make sure you look for that. Excellent. Transfer, uh, uh, teledentistry solution and other tools out there being used today. Yeah, good question. So I think a lot of people are looking at Zoom and uh, live video conferencing as filling a need for them right now. And I think it can. I think a point of that, which I mentioned earlier, is that that's a very time intensive process. It's convenient, but it also, for a provider, once they get back into the swing of things, it's gonna be challenging and to always schedule everything as a video consult. If your appointment runs a little bit over, you're rescheduling that. Uh, you've got people kind of waiting in a waiting room. So I think that's one part is understanding how can messaging and conferencing play nicely together we talk about a lot, it's kind of the asynchronous on-ramp. So a message leads to a video conference, which then follows up with a message, right? You address this, you mentioned you had the problem, 
We then video conferenced about the problem, and now I'm securely sharing with you my recommendations, my home care instructions, and I'm following up with you in a message platform, not in a live video session. Um, so that's really useful. I think also our system allows for recording of those video conferences right into a patient record. A doctor can take still snapshots from the video conference and push them into the patient record. We have dental billing. We have workflow management in it. So it's great to see that the doctor can provide the consult and then the uh, front desk team can be assigned to do the billing or the front office team can reach out to patients and then assign the video conference or follow-up session to the doctor. A lot more of that, and then really this provider-to-provider -provider communication. How are you tracking and communicating not only among your own team, but to your network of specialists and referring providers? And long-term is how can you grow your practice when you start seeing these opportunities to, you know, there's a statistic we throw around, they say 40% of Americans are seeing the dentist every year. So how do we tap into the 60%? And that's not always tied to fear of the dentist or cost of the dentist. It's sometimes just tied to convenient access to the dentist. So there's a lot of ways to really go reach those patients and uh, make it easy for them to get connected and then show them the need for oral care and then bring them into the office once they understand it. Now, it really seems like this platform could be a bonus for really every practitioner. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today to go over some of the high points of it and especially, you know, expand some of the benefits and services that it provides. Uh, very, very good discussion, uh, Brant, and thank you. Uh, for the members uh, listening in, and there are many, who would like to reach out to you and learn more about uh, Mouthwatch and uh, your, your, your product, what's the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, great. Uh, it's been a pleasure sharing this with uh, your listeners. So everyone can come to mouthwatch.com. It's not mouthwash, it's mouthwatch, like a wristwatch. And they can learn about our Teledent solution. We've got a free trial, uh, 30 days, no risk. Implement it, try it, invite your patients, use it. Um, we also sell intraoral cameras, which are really great, affordable, use them in every operatory. Um, so Come to mouthwatch.com. We can chat with you. You'll find our phone number there. Email me. My email is brant, B-R-A-N-T, at mouthwatch.com. Sounds great. Again, Brant, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.